0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Producer Al here. It's time for another TSFP presents re-release here on the Monday podcast feed. Uh, today's episode was originally released for patrons over at Patreon.com forward slash TSFP back in 2018. Our latest re-release series is classic teams. We've already looked at Super Depot, We've looked at Barca's dream team today. It's the turn of Real Madrid, one of their most fondly remembered sides, but also a team that never won the European Cup. It's La Quinta del Buitre. Enjoy.
1: Hello patrons, welcome to episode three of TSFP Presents Classic Teams. After talking about Super and Euro Depot in the first episode and reminiscing about Johan Cruyff's dream team of Barcelona in the second episode, the third chapter in this season of TSFP Presents Classic Teams is about one of the most iconic teams in the history of Real Madrid, the Quinta del Buitre, which won five consecutive La Liga titles but curiously enough never won the European Cup and for a club as closely linked to the European uh, Cup as... um, As Real Madrid It's interesting that a team As iconic as this Is so fondly remembered And yet they never actually won The European Cup Uh, Today I'm joined uh, By uh, Dr Sid Lowe A renowned Hispanist And uh, (laughs) And uh, Real Oviedo fan Hello Sid Thank you very much for joining us Very much my pleasure Yes and I'm also joined by uh, Alex Kirkland A regular contributor To the uh, the programme Hi Alex And
0: I did just read The chapter of Sid's book About this great team So I'm (laughs) fully up to date On that basis Yes um, If you want to Not listen to this podcast And just read the chapter
1: Chapter on the uh, Quinta del Buitre in Sid's book, you can do so, but hopefully this will be a, a complementary
0: uh, or oral uh, uh, aid to understanding the yeah, Quinta del Buitre. It takes longer to read that chapter than it does to listen to this podcast. I would yes. just listen to this podcast, and it's not yeah. as fun.
1: Uh, yes, we're going to we're gonna condense it as well. But obviously, Sid did write a book. It's called Fear and Loathing uh, in La Liga, and it does have a very good chapter on the Quinta del Buitre. The name Quinta del Buitre. Mm. Why are we calling it the Quinta del Buitre? Why was it coined? Where was this phrase? Where did this phrase come from?
2: In in essence, it's quite simple, but it needs a little bit of unpacking. Quinta yes. del Buitre effectively just means the vulture squad. Now, yes. now the Quinta re- refers. And it's a good name. A Quinta, yeah, once again, a, all a, of these teams. Yeah. it's yeah. a it's very the good name. The Quinta refers to to a generation of people that graduate together, but it particularly refers to it in, in military terms. And bear in mind that this was an era in which everybody did, um, military, did military service. service. Yeah. So, so the people in your if, in your group at military service would be described. Is this is the quinta. The quinta also has the beauty of sounding uh, of relating to five. Yep. Um and so there were five of them although the the person who yes. came up with this title which is a journalist called um Iglesias. what's his first name uh, Manuel Cesar Iglesias there you go that sounds right. Um, he came up with this and he admitted that the kind of the fifth was kind of crowbarred in there which was Miguel Palaf and Palaf yeah. and Parletha very quickly was gone. And indeed
0: yeah. all five of them only actually played together in one game in Mm. the Copa del Rey in 1987 or something. So it is a bit tenuous, but it's a great-sounding name. And the
2: most famous photograph of the five of them together is actually four of them in Real Madrid kits. And Pardefa in a Zaragoza kit, so it's before a game when Real Madrid played against Zaragoza. But, so that's where you get the a bit from. And Buitre, meaning the vulture, is the nickname of Emilio Butragueno, who, of course, was the most kind of iconic of these players. Um, and his name, was, nickname was Buitre, fundamentally, just because Butragueno, believe it or not, is actually quite difficult for a Spaniard to say, not just for us to say.
1: So it wasn't because he
2: was a vulture feeding on scraps in the penalty area? There was an element of that, obviously, but I think that was actually retrospectively applied. It
1: wasn't because he also looks a bit like a vulture.
2: Yeah, well, funny enough, there was a, there's an interview with him <laughs> sometime in, in, in the 90s when he, he said it. You know, at times he felt a little bit offended by this, but then he met a vulture, presumably for some photo shoot okay. or other, and he said they are actually... Hermoso. They are beautiful creatures. Because well,
0: that's the thing. Because I mean, he seems like quite—he's quite a polite little, he's smart polite. little guy. And I think of a vulture as being quite a sinister animal. So yeah. in that sense, and it's he, was not he was the opposite. He
2: was the art. He was an artist as well. And the way that he played—and this—this feeds into this whole thing about the quintavoltru, kind of which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But he played on tiptoes. He was really. technique. He was talent. He was little. He—he—he he, he was. It was all imagination. You know, his dad's um, shop is still just off Gran Via. You can still go in there and buy buy perfumes off his dad's shop. Yeah. Really. Perfumería Botraguño, just off Gran Villa. Alongside, uh, pretty much one of those little side ones that goes alongside Libro. Wow! Okay. Talk about
0: rink on we, We've got to go it. and get a photo yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe get
2: some perfume. Maybe get some I did perfume. buy some perfume there one Christmas, and he sold me some whitening toothpaste as well. He was saying, "This stuff's amazing. Take it, try it. You'll, 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 <laughs> you'll love it." He actually looks like Emilia, quite a lot like Emilia. <laughs> uh, Emilia Buitrago, who is currently uh, Real
0: Madrid's director of institutional relations, still quite good at football as well. When he comes off the bench in the Legends games for the last sort of ten or fifteen minutes. He, he hasn't slick. quite got the legs, but yeah. he's still got that, that knack of finding space inside the box. He's also remarkably fit, given his age. Yeah. He's, he's, he's yeah, yeah. Not, not, an, not
1: an ounce of fat on him. Right, he is a very a very slick man still. Speaks very good English very as well. Very good English, yeah. And, uh, and he's a very good... Very good uh, Director of Institutional Relations, basically. So the other uh, players in this, in this Quinta, in this, in this squad, so we have Emilio Butragueño, we have Miguel Partezza, Bar- who really isn't necessarily uh, a big part of it. Although he's
2: a PhD, so I quite like that little... Snippet of information.
0: He's about got him. a PhD, yeah. not he? Yeah.
1: Uh, he was involved up until relatively recently with uh, with Real Madrid, wasn't yes. he? He was the. Uh, well, he was a sporting sport director, director. Yeah. yeah. Although not really a sporting director anyone listened to. No. And he was sort of <laughs> sh- shuffled out and uh, and never to be seen again. Anyway, uh, Michel. Uh, obviously, housewives' favourite. Uh, Manolo Sánchez and uh, Rafa Martín Vázquez were, uh, were the other players in this team. But obviously, they weren't the only players in this mm. team, naturally. There were other big names who were part of this team in the Quinta del Buitre. It was, I guess it was a blend of youth and experience, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, the, and the other
2: thing is, it was a team that shifted. Um, so so the Quinta del Buitre team that wins the first league in eighty six is very different to the one that lees, wins the last league in 1990. Um, and, and obviously, I suppose, the really defining player in this era that's not one of those five is Hugo Sánchez. And Hugo Sánchez, in a way, is the complete opposite of these guys. So one of the things that makes the Quinta so important is the way that it feels like it fits its generation. So Jorge Vallana, for example, who played with them, um, describes them as the sporting arm of the Spanish transition, the Spanish transition to democracy after the yeah. death of Franco. And that in the 80s, is that there's this kind of explosion of, of kind of creativity in, in the arts, in film, and obviously Almodovar is kind of like the poster boy of, of, of what was known as the Movida Madrileña, this yes. Madrilenian movement of, of basically of hedonism, effectively, not really of anything else. But it is kind of a creative explosion, a sense of of, of an artistic outpouring that that after 40 years of dictatorship, people want to express themselves Mm, and be free. free. And this was seen as, if you like, the footballing version of that. And this is a team that I think, in that sense, in footballing style is closer to the dream team than some of the other Real Madrid teams and is, is, is kind of part of a process that perhaps eventually leads us to Spain in 2010 at the World Cup and so on. But very much a technical team. The other thing is these are all youth team players. These are all local. These are all people who come into the team who have a, a belief in a certain way of playing. And if you listen to Emilio Bojeguena, for example, he will tell you that football is an art and that, that what really fulfils him is the sense of having, having done something, not just competed, but having expressed yourself. And yet, Hugo Sanchez comes along, and Hugo Sanchez is uh, Mexican. I, 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 well. First of all, Mexican, <laughs> Mexican not Madrilenian, but yeah. also, and I, 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 I hesitate to use this word, but I'm going to use it. Very much a mercenary, okay. very much, a, you know, a hired hitman. Bash goal goes in. That's it. Comes from Atletico Madrid. One touch. One touch. No arson around. Yeah. And and him, for example, he and um, and uh, Michel, for example, hated each other. And it's weird that this generation is, is defined by this Butcher, but actually the last couple of years you could actually make a case, I think, that says it's actually not the Butcher in essence anymore. Mm. It's much more Hugo Sanchez. And story. didn't he
0: even suggest changing the name to La like Quinta de los Machos. De los to los Machos. To reflect yeah, which that basically Quintero. sums him up. I mean, yeah. Hugo Sanchez
2: is um, Hugo Sanchez's best fan. Um, <laughs> and and, and that was kind of part of the, the dynamic. But again, it will always be remembered as a Quintero Woodrow.
1: What was the season where he scored
2: every goal with 1990, one 1990. So he scores 38 league goals and every single one of them with a single touch. That's just
0: so perfect, isn't it? <laughs> That's so
2: brilliant. I love that. And that really is that no pissing about, which is kind of, if you like, the absolute opposite of Butchegueno. If you if you get a chance to look on YouTube, look up Butchegueno's goal away at Cadiz, Cadiz. where he kind which of... Which one? The one where he tiptoes along the byline and kind of comes round a load of players. That was his debut.
0: Yeah, that was his debut. He comes on on as a sub. They are 2-0 down... They win 3-2. He scores two goals and creates the other goal. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, that's the best ever... And you could have a better debut, could yeah. you? He it couldn't be better. 18. Yeah, 18. Yeah. Uh, that
1: 1990 season, by the way, they set a new record of 107 league goals scored, never beaten until uh, Real Madrid did it in 2012, yes. I think, with 121. Yeah. I suppose this all starts, obviously, in 1983 with the Real Madrid-Castilla side that mm. win
0: the second division. It's the only time they've ever mm. done it.
1: No other youth team has ever won the uh, the second yeah. division before or since. And it's also and, worth and um, a period of
0: uh, a period of, of of crisis as well for Rambles exactly. That's, that's what that's gonna gonna thing, say, I was going to say. That there's that quote I think in your book from Valdano saying you know, it, it, Real Madrid at that point it's hard to imagine it now, hmm. but felt like a club in decline. The glory days had gone. They hadn't won the league for a number of years. You'd had the vast dominance in the. In the early 80s, they've been, well. been
2: beaten as well in the European Cup final in 81 by Liverpool. Now, obviously, on one level, you might say, well, that shows they could come back, but it had taken 22 years for them to get to a Cup final. Mm. Um, and they, they get there in 81, and it's a really awful game. And there was a sense that that era was very grey. And so, in the late 70s, for example, which is be del Bosque's era, he always talks about the way that people looked at that team with a, with a mixture of aprecio and desprecio, is his phrase. And they were known as the Gar- El Madrid de los Garcia, the Garcias Madrid, because a whole load of them were called Garcia. I think four of them, or maybe five, had Garcia is one of their surnames. And yet that was a way of saying, you know, these are just kind of average
0: Joes. And then this Quinta del Vuitare comes through. It's also not as good a nickname for a team. You'd <laughs> no. never have a classic teams episode about the, no, the Madrid of the no, Garcias, true, would you? No, but, but
2: then you get this team that comes through that, that, that totally blitzes them, not necessarily in terms of what they achieved, because actually Madrid were quite successful, but in terms of how it felt and how, how it felt like it mattered. This team as we said won 5 consecutive
1: league titles 1986 87 88 89 and 90 they won 2 UEFA cups as well they never won the European Cup they lost in the
2: semi-finals uh, in the Champions League in
0: 3 3 years in a row yes. is that right yep
2: which uh... it's curious because they talk about um, that one of the big things that, that's always said about this team is that they had the bad luck and, and certainly Emilio will say this and 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 and, and 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 Michio says this as well to have come up against that AC Milan team yes. this is the Saki era and yet the team that really screws them over is, is actually and yes, Eindhoven, yeah. Eindhoven who are probably the worst European champions of all time and on that run
0: in that year these are the God, teams t- t- that Madrid um, beat on the way through they knocked out Napoli 3-1 on aggregate Maradona's
2: Napoli by the way it's worth yeah. pointing this out not just
0: any Napoli they knocked out Porto 4-2 who I think had been champions the year before yes they knocked out Bayern 4-3 on aggregate who were Bayern in the quarters and then yeah they get to PSV and it by, by all accounts they sounded like dreadful games
2: Stecklenberger, I think, was the goalkeeper's name, but I can't remember. And he saves absolutely everything. Um, and and if you look at what PSV did, as I say, you know, when you say the worst European champion ever, basically they didn't win any games. They went through on away goals or penalties all the way through the final, and I think they might even have won the penalties, uh, won the final on penalties as well. But Madrid just couldn't find a way through. And yet, the fact that they didn't win the European Cup hasn't
1: necessarily affected their legend. Certainly no. among among Spanish Real Madrid fans, this is the team really.
2: Yeah, I think, and I think, I think you're right. And you started at the, at the start by saying this, and I think this is really significant. And when I spoke to people about this team, uh, when I was writing about it, the, uh, Valdano, for example, as I say, we talked about this, and he was saying it. That the, the thing is. This Real Madrid team never set foot on the summit. And for Real Madrid, the only summit is the European Cup. You know, the only thing that matters is, that, is that. And I remember interviewing Emilio Butchogueno about this in a, in a room at the Bernabeu. And on a plinth across the room was the European Cup. And I just thought, that is just cruel. Here we are, <laughs> talking about, see that big trophy over there that defines you, Emilio? You never won it. Every and, day you get and, yet, that. and yet, Emilio, and in particular, Michel, who's very, very proud of this team. Michel is is, is, is is a brilliant person to talk to about this team. He keeps saying, yeah, but this is exactly the point, the point you are making," He says... We didn't win that, and that was always set up as the only thing that mattered at Real Madrid. He said, but ask people about great Real Madrid teams, and they'll say Di Stefano's team, and then they will say us. No one else. Mm. Maybe not, he said, not even the Galacticos, you know, that mm. first Galactico, era, which actually was a little bit probably overrated, but, but in terms of what they did and achieved and how they played and stuff. But, and he said, and yet we are there. And I think this comes back to how we started. It's because it was of a moment. It was because it was a brilliant team that didn't just win and won five in a row, which no one else had done but the way they did it the style in which they played and that moment of this was this was a hugely socially kind of significant time for
0: Spain and in particular for Madrid they are also recognized as having contributed massively to the identity this idea that Real Madrid fans still go on about to this day whenever they lose a first leg by oh, a, by a big yeah. scoreline. This idea of the kings of the comebacks, Larry Montada, the spirit of Juanito, all that stuff. This was a team that sort of lived by that and and really added to to that aspect of Real Madrid's identity.
2: Yeah, and it was the famous Juanito line when when he he after a game when they've been beaten by Inter Milan, I believe. I think it was 3-1, 3-1. But I'm 1. completely sure, and he he You don't he know. Has... Come on. And he gets pulled over after the game and he decides that he's going to send a message in what he takes to be Italian but of course it's just Spanish with an Italian accent and he says 90 minutes in the Bernabeu are very long enough as you wait to the second leg sunshine and so it was. Although actually that whole Remontella thing go back to Derby County in 75 I think. Uh, in that same season
1: in that same UEFA Cup run a couple of rounds previous to that they'd beaten Borussia Mönchengladbach as yes. well. They'd lost 5-1 to Borussia 5
0: 5-1 in the first Leg to lose, and, and they won four 0 at I home. Mean, that's yeah. just yeah, that's remarkable. So
1: yeah, and uh, yet every time now that Real Madrid lose
0: a first leg, the spirit of Juanito is invoked. Well, and as we've yeah. as we've discussed on the pods, you know, many times as it doesn't happen, as many times as it no. does.
2: No, but it only needs to happen a couple of times, and it feels huge. And of course, in their case, I think it's happened maybe four or five in total. And and, and the curious thing again to go back to this idea of this was an artistic team, an expressive team. Actually, if you talk to the players about about the comebacks in particular they had this kind of idea which was, right, we go out there and we kick the shit out of them mm. and we go flying into the first tackle and we go flying at them and we're aggressive and we swear at them in a tunnel and we spit at them and it are genuinely nasty and yet this was the artistic side <laughs> because they had one or two of those as well. I mean, Camacho, as I say, um, Augusto Sanchez Buyo. comes a little bit later, Paco Buyo, I mean Paco Buyo, yeah, is, um, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is, a, is a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic and, and, and they, they, they had
0: that in their armoury as well. We haven't um, really mentioned the, the coaches That's of these, don't these teams. <laughs> of course it was a, a certain Di Stefano who gave the debuts to these mm. to these youngsters, but it was then three other managers who went on to, to win these yeah. these league titles. Yeah, because Di
2: Stefano was manager in eighty three when they finished second in everything. Um, second in the league, second in the Copa del Rey, and then got of course beaten by Aberdeen in the in a European Cup Winners' Cup final. The day they lost the league, they thought they'd won it, and Juanito had promised to return to the dressing room on his knees to celebrate them winning the title. He is literally on his way there on his knees when they find out that Real Madrid had have just taken the title. Um, do we talk about Juanito? Well, I mean, we can do. I mean, how... he's not really he's emblematic looked, yeah. of this team as such, and yet he is. Arguably one of, of the most emblematic of that era. Players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a player who, by all accounts, everybody loved him, um, but he was also completely crazy mm. and did a few very bad things, including stamping on Lothar Matthäus's face. And when I say stamping, I mean genuinely stamping on Lothar Matthäus's face, not treading on it gently. Um, and, and, and he is really liked. I think, obviously, one of the things with him is that because he died young in a car crash, obviously that increases the sense of legend and and so on. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the fans at the moment obviously chant his name every single game in the seventh, in the seventh minute, minute yeah. uh, which, was, uh, which was his number. But yeah, obviously he was part of this team and um, uh, worth worth just
0: mentioning. Yeah. Really Santiana good. as well, who was a, a brilliant, f- legendary... Header of the ball, yeah. In particular, and some of
2: these obviously uh, they, they kind of t- kind of bridge over into mm. into the into the back end of the seventies and the early eighties, just before this side. So obviously, some of these are played in the in the eighty-one European Cup final, as is the case of of, of uh, Camacho, for example. Um, and and that is is also the era in which Real Madrid reached the Copa del Rey final and, and play against their own youth team. But it's not that youth team that gives you this, but it is that youth team, if you like, that gives that sense that. Actually, there are people coming through here. There is something building, and 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 as you say, Di Stefano gives them the chance. They're playing under Amancio in the B team. the Stefano gives them a chance in part because, what well, he says all you have to do is put the kids in. I asked him this, and I said, well, it's not just that simply. So, all right, then you've got to have the bollocks to keep them in. He said, but really and truly, you could see them. You could see how bad the first team was. Of course, they were going into the
0: side. One detail I was amazed to discover was that back in those days, Castilla used to play at the Bernabeu, mm. and sixty odd thousand people used to go and watch them. Yeah, They're, I mean, that, imagine that now. In, in, of course, because 60, they 000?
2: because they got to the um, Copa del Rey final, um, and obviously didn't win it. But because Real Madrid went into in the Cup, they yeah. played the cup winners' cup the next year. They played against mm. West Ham. That's Castilla brilliant. played against
0: West Ham. Yeah, beat them, I think. Yeah. Billy Bonds was in that team. <laughs> Billy Bonds and, uh, and and Frank Lampard senior. And so this team won, as we said, they won five league titles in a row up until 1990. What happened then? Why did it come to an end? And why were they superseded by the, the last team we did in this series? Yeah, well, that's,
2: that's essentially why, uh, at least according to Mitchell. And, and he says that, you know, the, that team, he said, we could sense that there was a brilliant team building. And we were we were knocked off the top by a team that, was, that did a lot of the things that we did, that took on a lot of the idea of technical, talented football, uh, creative football, but that were just so good. That, that ultimately we couldn't we can compete with them and and, and Mitchell's point and we you know I know this is bridging the two the two programs a little bit and but we talked about this a little bit with the dream team that Real Madrid team then lost two league titles to Barcelona on the final day in Tenerife both times and Mitchell's version of events is that yeah but the miracles we even got there they were so much better than us and and, and also that the emotional impact of failing in the European Cup, not so much against Milan, but against PSV, was kind of the end. You know, there was this sense that you, you keep winning the league, but if, if that thing, that, that kind of holy grail is kept away from you, the emotional impact, the psychological damage it does to you is, is enormous. And of course, as, as Mitchell said at the time, and still insists now, there was a moment when, when he gave some back to the fans who were having a go at him. And this point then, he said at the time, was, look, you seem to think that winning the league is easy. You know, we want it five years in a row. We will have to leave. We will have to be gone for 15 years before people look back and realise how good we were. Which is interesting that he didn't feel appreciated maybe at the time, partly because of the nature of the way that he is as a, as a personality. Um, but but he was right. What do you mean by that? You know? Well, because he's he's um, he's very opinionated. He's very clear about a certain way of playing. There's that sense that I think a lot of people dislike because he's incredibly well turned out. Mm. He's he's very handsome. He's very some kind of sure of himself. Uh, and, and I think that goes down badly with some
0: people. I don't think it necessarily should, but I think it does. And to go back to his point, I mean, look at La Liga since, look at the champions no of the year since, and no one has done it since. No team has dominated domestically with the consistency that this team managed to do yeah exactly and that's why as, as you were saying Phil I guess this, well where do we put this team in the all-time Real Madrid sides I guess the Di Stefano Madrids are, are up there as number one well I mean I guess in terms of sort of legend and, and um,
1: iconicness uh, yes uh, in terms of actual sort of uh, skill and ability and uh, uh, if they had if they could come up against each other obviously we're sort of you know uh going into deeply yeah. hypothetical scenarios yeah, sure. but um they, they'd give each other a pretty good game it oh, would be
2: brilliant i mean it would be, yeah. be lovely to see this team with with but obviously the, the nature of football has changed physically but it would be lovely to see this team for example against the current Rambler team or this team against Di Stefano's team um but you know football has changed so much that mm. it's very difficult to ever ever draw that parallel but but i think in terms of the way the way they express themselves and the excitement they created i think they're second only to Di Stefano's team and i actually think maybe even more so because i think there was a sense that they would Doing something new and different, whereas Di Stefano's team, I think, while it was happening, perhaps there wasn't always that awareness. And it's very interesting hearing from Barcelona players of that era thinking they were better than Real Madrid domestically, which they were. Um, and and, and so, whereas this team, there was you know, the, the, the league is the closest you can get to an objective measurement of truth, or well, e- even it?
0: more so given the way the European Cup used to be because it, it wasn't the Champions League of now, as we've said, you, you, you didn't have to play that many games to win the European yes. Cup, and depending on the draw you could go up against some fairly ordinary teams on yes. the way to winning a European Cup. So back then, the European Cup Mind was even less... that happened around Madrid four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and it's it, it's very difficult, but I think
2: I think it is that sense of moment. And the iconography, I think obviously the Galacticos are up there because it was seen as ludicrously um, kind of resplendent, if you like, and ludicrously glamorous. But actually, in terms of going and watching them every week and what they were like, this team probably had greater coherence more of a sense of identity perhaps as a collective than, than that Galactico team did but as I said there, there is a shift between it as well I mean that 1990 team is very different from the 86 team in terms of ha- the way that it feels that they're playing mm-hmm.
1: um, ok um, we'll, we'll leave it there I think uh, talking about uh, the uh, Quinta del Buitre the, uh, the vulture squad it is a good name. It isn't is a it? great it name. Is the it is vulture a really squad. good name. Um, give us your suggestions for other teams that we should cover on uh, classic teams. Um, we've, we've got a list. We will keep adding to it, though, uh, with, with the good suggestions. I'm not suggesting that this series is going to go on ad infinitum. We're going to do sort of six or seven or eight. But we do have a lot of content to produce, and yes. you know we're working within limitations. So yes, yeah, so you know, help us out. Give us give us suggestions, and uh, and we will take them all on board, and then we'll just probably just do the ones that we want to do. But anyway, do tell us. Do tell us which ones uh, you'd like us. To talk about, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Adios. Bye.
0: Network.